0: This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. Every leader needs an intentional plan to see transformation take place in their organization. The Kingdom Leadership Workshop exists to help you build that plan. Learn more at www.kingdomatwork.com events. Kingdomatwork.com events. Hey, welcome to
1: I Work For Him today as we broadcast you from the intergalactic headquarters of the C-12 Group. You can find them online at c12group.com. That's right. Mike Sherrill made me say that, but I'm doing it, and I'm honoring him because that's what he asked us. I put holiday. my
0: phaser down now.
1: Did you not tell me you wanted me to say I said world I headquarters? Did. You, did you did said very intergalactic, well. and I've done it on all of the shows we've recorded I'm right here of in did. San Antonio, Florida. He's those, were, those
2: were words of affirmation did you hear Way that to go. he's Way proud to go. of you <laughs> hey,
1: that's very good and <laughs> words of affirmation are very important hey before we get talking with mike Sherrow and his bride jackie we really want you guys to engage with us online we'd love for you to join the i work for him nation
2: That's right, Jim. So if people go to our website, IWorkForHim.com, this little flag pops up and it says, um, I Work For Him Nation. And the whole idea behind that is it's not a club. It's not something that you pay for. It's really a covenant between you and the Lord that just says, I want to be more intentional in my workplace. And these are some things that I want to commit to in my personal life, and so they can read through that for themselves. But it's things like praying for your coworkers and employees by name, uh, getting to know them, um, share with them, care on the care for them, and disciple them along the way. So it, I just want to encourage our um, listeners to take a look at that, read it for yourself, and if it's something that you would like to try to commit to, it doesn't mean that you know there's not going to be days where it's going to be tough but um, it's just a commitment to say, I want to do this and I want to make a difference in my workplace. They can consider joining that. I do send a little something in the mail and they will get an email from you um, of encouragement along the way.
1: That's right. And we have iWork for Nation members from all over the globe. So you'd be joining people from all over the globe just committing to be change agents in their workplace. Hey, and so go online. Iworkforhim.com. Click on the I Work for Him Nation flag. You know we've talked about it a ton on the show. There's a massive shift of leadership happening in the marketplace. A shift from Boomer leadership to a leadership team led by Xers, but mostly by Xennials and Xennials and Millennials. What happens to the culture of an organization when this happens? You'll find out today. In the faith and work ministry world, another shift has happened as well. The shift to collaboration versus silos, working together with like-minded ministries instead of looking to them as competition and so much more. And all this shifting, and in all this shifting, is benefiting you, the Christ follower in the workplace, and it's benefiting the kingdom of God. It's a true move from God, absolutely. Today, as we broadcast from the headquarters of the C12 Group in San Antonio, Texas, we're talking with Mike and Jackie Sherrill. Because we know that behind every godly leader, Mike Sherrill being a godly leader for the C12 group, there's an incredible godly spouse, and it's today, Jackie Sherrill. Um, for some reason, she's given me some kind of look. I don't know why she's giving me this look. But just to understand, we wanted you guys to hear their hearts as they lead C12 group around the world. Mike and Jackie Sherrill, welcome to iWork for Him.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Thanks, Jim.
1: All right, so- and Martha.
2: Thank you. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Are you well, really- I am here. And you're videoing this today. I
2: just was taking a little video okay. for all right. our so listeners. So make sure you
1: check it out on Facebook. Martha's doing the video thing. All right. So I want to know, let, let's just start off with this. Mike, tell us, how did you become a Jesus follower?
0: So I grew up in a home where going to church was very important. So we we're in church all the time, and Bible stories were important. And in 1989, I was sitting in a church service in Juneau, Alaska, and a pastor gave a salvation you know, gospel presentation, did an altar call, and I remember this definitive moment where I just realized, wait a minute, there's more than just being good. There's more than just trying to be a, a you know, a good kid and believe the right things. Like, I am actually hopeless apart from God. I've got to actually give my life to him. And so I walked the aisle that day, and uh, the cool deal, the pastor said, well, uh, with youth, I like to come to your home and make sure you really know what you're doing, that this isn't just an emotional decision and that you really get what it is. Mm-hmm. So he came to my house that Tuesday night, sat in my living room and asked me to explain what I think I'm doing, so I did that. And my uh, my dad was listening. And my dad had grown up in church as well, but my dad went, well, I've never done what Mike just did. And so we actually both got baptized that Sunday together. Wow. And uh, that began, I'd call it, a passionate walk with Jesus from that point on. Like, uh, got baptized end of February 1989. So we're coming up on 29 years, and uh, the rest has been a, a cool adventure. So lots of other chapters and milestones along the way, but that's that's how I came to and Jesus. And Jim
2: is probably thinking, did you get baptized outside in Alaska in, in and <laughs> kind polar of bear polar bear plunge? plunge? <laughs> <laughs>
0: praise Jesus, no. Yeah. No, praise Jesus, no. You were no. thinking that, weren't you? No, I was
1: thinking if it was 1989, it's coming up on 30 years. That's what I was thinking, just because I'm a numbers guy.
0: Yeah, I guess in February, yeah. <laughs> Details, details. I know. Okay,
1: <laughs> That's okay. You're the visionary guy. That's. I get it. That's fine. Okay. So, Jackie, what about you? How did you become a Jesus follower?
3: Well, my story started when I was younger. Um, I came from a home that um, went to church and was exposed to God at a young age. Um, and I grew, as a child, I understood Jesus loved me. I had, I called them warm fuzzies about God. But it kind of stayed in my head. We had a lot of family drama growing up. Um, both of my parents came from families with challenges, and they had many challenges of their own. And so uh, life in Jesus kind of got overshadowed just by life challenges. And so I went into my teen years, um, you know, still going to youth group, even going to youth camps and things like that. And so I know seeds were planted at, during those times but it really just stayed as a head head thing. But late in um, high school, um, I just got to the point, even from a young age, I was very um, purposeful and wanting direction. And I was getting so frustrated because I was looking for purpose in friends. I was discouraged by um, the lack of direction in my family. And so I knew the answers weren't there. They weren't in boys. I was looking for um, identity in in boys, and that wasn't uh, working out. And so I came to the end of uh, my high school uh, season and realized, you know what, God, you have put that search in me, that desire in me for direction and purpose and fulfillment so that I would find you and and conclude that you are the answer. And so I just, out of almost frustration, I, I got to the point of, you know what, God, you're it, and I'm going to make my life mm-hmm. about you. And so it was late in high school that it became a heart thing, not just a head thing. And my life became oriented around him. And that's when I found uh, my purpose. And I found uh, that he had a plan for me and um, uh, had clear direction. And it was just my job to be obedient in, in the moment. So that's late in high school, I believe is where it really became alive for me. So then tell us how your lives intersected.
0: No, you Ooh, go first. Jackie, who want, wants to tell?
3: They, want to hear they the look true at each story, other. So Jackie, Absolutely, <laughs> it. it's such a fun story. I always love reliving it. So um, it's a whole God's, a separate God story of how we both ended up at the same college. That's for another day. Mm-hmm. But no, no, it's not. We're going to
1: share that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but he and I met in a freshman year of our um, college. We went to school at Trinity International University. It's in Deerfield, Illinois, and we met in New Testament class. Now, I had a boyfriend at the time. And so, but that was actually a God thing because we were just friends. There was no weirdness. There was no other option except to become friends. And um, just over the course of a number of months, we would have different conversations, you know, just about life. And I was just so intrigued by his faith walk. I was really intrigued by, um, okay, this is what a godly man looks like and how he's living applying truth to life. He came from a very colorful upbringing as well, and I loved how he, uh, wanted something different. And he didn't necessarily know what the end result was going to be, but he knew God had a purpose for him and he was moving forward. And so the more we got to knowing each other, I was like, this is the kind of guy that I want to be partner in life with. And so I ended up breaking up with this, the other boy and uh, (laughs) Mike and I started dating and, um, got married at the end of sophomore year of college, which is actually pretty early. We, we joke about how we're going to lie to our children that we, it that we were 20, but... Um, Remember, they can Google anything. I know, <laughs> I know, but uh, uh, that was a, definitely a highlight, fun season of meeting Mike and
1: mm-hmm. starting well, life together. What kind of color do you want to add to that, Michael?
0: So, the like you said, the great thing about her being... Um, unavailable as we did to become friends and mm-hmm. so we hung out and there was no trying to like impress each other and what was ironic was she quickly began to become the template i was looking for like i started mm-hmm. going like man i want to find a girl like this like she was just joyful and stable and she there's just so many things about her character i was like man i okay how do i find that and i began kind of scanning the world and uh I was getting frustrated going i think it's kind of hard to find her like she's just it and so it was interesting the point where uh, our stories collided where she kind of showed her cards like hey is there something here I literally the night before was up late going God I don't want to lose this friendship like I really I really value the friendship I've gotten Jackie mm-hmm. but I find myself like wanting more and I don't want that to ruin this so I feel like I just kind of put Isaac on the altar the night before mm-hmm. I was going okay I get that there's not gonna be other Jackies and like, and Jackie's taken so just enjoy as a friend in the next day we kind of had other conversations, so I was like, "Oh, well, okay, great." <laughs> so God provided a ram in the thicket, and uh, we we moved on. And she has been, uh, yeah, I, I call her my bijou. So. Well, she, uh, we're gonna
1: find out what bajou what you mean means. Right, what bajou means. we're gonna find out what it means right after this break. You're listening to IWork Room as we broadcast from San Antonio, Texas, at the intergalactic world headquarters for C12 Group. We've got Mike and Jackie Shero here. Mike is the CEO of the C12 Group, and Jackie is really the CEO of the C12 Group as well. As the two of them form a team created by God back in college, as you just heard that story. But Mike, right before you, uh, um, you know, we ended the segment. You said that she was your bijou. I thought that sounded like a gravy of some sort, but that's probably not what it means. <laughs> well, 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 that's au jus. That's right. Okay, well, what is a, what is a bijou?
0: So bijou is French for a rare and precious gem. So, Aww. so Jackie's my rare and precious gem. The, God has used her to keep me in check, hold me accountable, bring so much joy to my life. And then she's been such an, a catalyst for um, so much. I mean, even like when we were dating, she helped me confront fears I had around marriage because I didn't really trust that marriage worked well and I was f- afraid to get married. And that drove us into the whole area of premarital counseling and a bunch of stuff that um, set us on a different track. But she's just been best friend, uh, stabilizer, person I trust the most. And they're just, I come home, it's very frequent for me come from a day, close the door and go, The world is crazy, I'm so glad I have you. Like <laughs> so um, yeah, she's my bijou.
1: I love that. That's very, very cool. I've never heard that before. A French word for Gem, special Jim. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to ask this question. I didn't say tell you I was going to ask this question, but I'm going to ask this question. <laughs> yeah. You you got married at 20 then? Mm-hmm. Okay, which is fantastic. We did too, so it can it can work. And it, cool it, people do it. I'm sorry, cool Jim people. was actually 19. I was actually 19. Ooh. That's true.
2: We're 25 <laughs> days apart, and we got married in between our that's birthdays. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So all right, so. <laughs> Michael, you had a call of God on your heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really felt like you were being called into the ministry. Mm-hmm. So when you guys finished graduating from Trinity International School of, in Deerfield, Illinois, you were trying to – where was God leading you? And You were struggling with something there. How did you guys work through that, and what was that struggle?
0: Yeah, so, um, so my part of that would be I'd gotten – I fell in love with Jesus, was passionate, passionately pursuing him in high school even. So I actually got licensed as a Southern Baptist pastor when I was like 17 and so I went to Trinity, and she met me, and I was a pastoral studies major. And then a year into our relationship, I switched to business major. Um,
3: At the advice of one of the professors. Yeah,
0: one of my professors said, hey, I think she could get a business degree and then go to seminary. So I did mm. Greek and under, theology undergrad, but did business as my major. And I was working full, we're two poor college students. So I worked mm-hmm. full-time, she worked full-time, and went to school full-time. And somehow in there, we saw each other. Right. Um, and I just knew I was called to be a full-time disciple for Jesus, and I was enjoying business. I was having success in business. I was having opportunities to have interesting gospel conversations impact there that I didn't hadn't read books about before. I remember one night going, God, I don't even know what it looks like to do ministry at work. I've read like dozens of books around neighborhood ministry and marriage ministry and youth ministry, but I don't I've not read anything about like how do you do Jesus at work. Um and it was even and I had friends saying, You know, what if God's called you to be a pastor in business? Like what if you supposed to be like, a corporate America pastor? I was like, What does that mean? And they're like, We don't know and all along the way, you know, Jackie's always been a great, um, like, reminder of, like, we, we just know the distant light God's calling us to, the path we may be wrong in. Like, let's be open to the path shifting, and just go back to, what do we know God's calling us here? And uh, so, you were never alarmed as I was processing those things. No,
3: I think I, it's because I had a history of thinking I always knew the answer, and then finding out I didn't. And so... <laughs> So I grew confident in not being confident in myself, but confident in like, hey, if we feel led that this is what we're supposed to do and doesn't necessarily make sense, um, like that's okay. Like I'm not going to make a 10-year plan and stick to it because I've learned so many times that my plan was the, A, the incorrect one and one that I didn't end up wanting anyway. Mm. And so um, I'm, I was very confident in my lack of uh, being able to make those decisions on my own. So I was... Yeah, I'm, I was up for being obedient and where we felt led because that always proved to be the safest place to be and yeah. um, and the best, so.
0: We've taken some risky leaps that seemed like scary in the moment and yet uh, it developed this kind of language with us. said the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will. Even if it seems like the scariest place, the most dangerous place would be to be in our comfort zone comfort. at the denial of his will. Oh. Yep. Yeah. and so That's so
1: true. And that's always There's my There's a whole sermon series in that one right there. there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah,
0: we've lived it out together. And then we have a passion for wanting to make sure we are in unity on those kind of big decisions. And it's been crazy how much God is oftentimes in our pursuit of unity even flip-flopped us on how we mm-hmm. see things and, and then... Excellent. guide us forward mm-hmm.
2: so, so even early on in your marriage as you were making changes mm-hmm. and saying okay lord what is the direction what did that look like for you guys i mean did was it did you did it take you a while to figure out a rhythm or and obviously there's no rhythm when you know that it keeps changing and stuff but as far as working together on that prayer process and mm-hmm. things like that
0: i was mm-hmm. thinking about um you know one of the things we both want to keep in check with each other is we've always talked about when to check our own flesh and instincts yes. so back to her earlier comment even like from getting married and be afraid of that we've eventually included like our instincts and intuitions are inadequate we really want god's will and we, we realize that we've each got our own wills that can sometimes run in conflict to that and so when we've made some major career or direction decisions oftentimes we've actually been on opposite sides of something yeah. from a desire
3: <laughs> yeah from a desire standpoint yes. and
0: yet we'll both go okay I don't want this to be a me spiritualizing my desire because we can both biblically put narratives around what we mm-hmm. want, right? And say, hey, here's the Bible story I'm going to claim that matches my preference. <laughs> and so he said, When man, we, God, we want to be in unity with each other and unity with you. And mm-hmm. so we'll, like, uh, well, the and big we- thing, we had to fast and pray for weeks saying, let's not even talk about it because we're, like, I can, well... I can't sell Jackie and she can't sell me. That's of why we work <laughs> That's well. That's why we <laughs> like each other. I couldn't
3: bulldoze him, so I was very attracted to that.
0: <laughs> so, so it's frustrating because I'll try to put a sales job on her and she'll be like, yeah, I'm not buying it. Um, but we've gone, okay, Let's commit to going, God, show showing our hearts anything we're not seeing. And usually God brings us both actually to neutral mm-hmm. and then makes it clear where we go.
3: And we've had a, I mean, back from the beginning, through those processes, we've had, uh, we call them grace talks. And we, we um, mm-hmm. say, hey, I need to have a conversation. My thoughts aren't fully baked. So some of it might be flesh, but I need a safe, I need a safe spot just to to get it out so we can process it. And um, so we had a lot of grace talks along those ways, along the ways of those decisions being like, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is, this might be flesh. I can't, I'm not discerning yet, which is Holy spirit, which is not, but then, you know, and walking through that together. So grace talks have been a huge part ever,
2: ever
1: since the beginning mm-hmm. with That's us. That's awesome. mm mm-hmm. You guys have been married now, how many years? 15, 17 years? 16. 16. 16 years. Okay. What are some of the things you're doing to be intentional in keeping your marriage strong? Because you've, you've got a, now a, a national challenge. Your marriage is in the spotlight nationally. You've got thousands of people that are C12 members, and they have thousands of em- hundreds of thousands of employees. So your marriage is in the spotlight. What are you doing to keep your marriage grounded? What are some of the things you've done right from the beginning that have kept you tight spiritually and on deepen your faith as you walk together with the Lord? Jackie, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> Michael forever, talks forever. So right? you know.
3: <laughs> well, I think um, what goes along with the theme of intentionality. Like we, even in the seasons of busyness and seasons of... Um, where there is just a lot going on it takes incredible intentionality to have that connect time mm-hmm. um so uh, recently like post kids and things like that we have tried to keep our friday nights as our night and it's not like a grand night but it's a night where we catch up we really are able to um have a grace talk if we need to um but that's like our time um and keeping and keeping that and being comfortable with uh saying no to things um so I my I do not have the gift of long suffering. I'm, that's one of the <laughs> spiritual fruits that I'm that Jesus is growing in me. And so I'm very quick to say if I think something is off with us, I'm very quick to hey, bring it up because I would much rather deal with something while it's small um before it turns into something big because mm. of neglect. Um and so that sometimes on those Friday nights, that's our time. Like to, we, I always know there's going to be an opportunity to chat. I don't necessarily need to bring it up right now during like, you know, a stressful after a stressful day or something like that. But I know that there's going to be a time where we can connect and deal with things while they're small before they get big. Um, because we I would never want issues between us to interfere with the things that God is doing through C12 and do through our different ministry things that we're involved in. Um, we want to be solid and um frictionless as much as as much as what is in our control. Sure. Um so relying on those connect times to deal with those things before they come big is huge.
0: So our first year of marriage, Jackie came to me and said she wanted to go to a We Can Remember conference. Mm-hmm. and We were poor college students, we had no money, we were taking out loans and we we had a good marriage so far and so I was like why are we gonna do this? That was a, a catalyst moment for a lot of our marriage intentionality because I went begrudgingly I had a bad attitude, frankly. I wasn't listening very well. Um, I didn't feel a lot of it applied to 220 20-year-olds with no kids. Um, but we did a guy session. I sat next to a guy in his 70s who was weeping during the session. And when I asked him why, he said it was his first marriage conference of his life. He married 47 years, and he was weeping, realizing how many years of those had been hell and had just survived because of his stubbornness to not go get help. And he was learning things. This conference he wished he'd applied 40 years ago. And that was my takeaway. I went, yeah. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be 70 with regret of how much better our marriage could have been. So we committed to every year, we're going to read a book. We're going to go to a conference. We're going to do a class. You know, we will take assessment. We'll do them, like this year. We did an yeah. Enneagram. <laughs> we did strength Finders last year. We're we always did doing...
3: some personality assessments and those are funny. It was so insightful. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is why you're like that. It all makes sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a diagnosis for me. Yeah. Use, but...
3: but it was super helpful and yes. beneficial for
1: our marriage. So. We stay in
0: marriage groups and just, Keep when we we'll keep the lights on and yeah. never give up investing and in learning about each other yeah that's so
1: so powerful. We're broadcasting from San Antonio, Texas, right here at the headquarters for C12 Group. We're talking today with Mike and Jackie Shero. Yes, that's the Mike Shero. He's the CEO of C12. That guy, the famous guy. You've seen him on the, the covers of all kinds of magazines, but not on the post office wall. That's correct. That Mike Shero. That's good. We brought his wife in here today because we wanted to find out the real scoop on who is Mike Shero and who are they together as a couple, as they lead C12 to grow and expand its impact, really the kingdom impact through C12 across the country. Mike and Jackie, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Mike, how has prayer played, prayer together, uh, played a part in the your marriage? <laughs> so that's actually a fun topic. Um,
0: so prayer is a big part of both our lives. It's actually something that we found uh, doesn't work great in together. So we we pray in parallel and we sync up um, we had this weird effect. Maybe it's, it's my, uh, lack of dynamism. I had an bi- amazing ability to pray her to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and so we found in marriage that we would, uh,
3: maybe it was just because it was in the evening. <laughs>
0: she'd be like, it's so soothing. And then she'd drift off. Um, and so, uh, a key part to us has been, I commit to want to seek, like seek God, as people, and then tie those out together, mm-hmm. and so that's been uh, that's been a staple of our of our relationship the last sixteen years. Mm-hmm. it Has been navigating that.
1: I'm not really sure I understood the answer to that question. So, Jackie, help me understand. What does that mean? What does prayer look like with you guys as a couple? I mean, you don't have to let them preach to you in prayer. So, I mean, do you guys pray together on a daily basis?
3: Oh, we actually do not. That's probably something that we um, could grow in. Um, but like he said, um, our our prayer rhythms are usually more separate, and then we come together and we talk about what. Um, the Holy Spirit is teaching us or leading us or, um, and that's, and that's how we stay connected. Excellent. So in these years of marriage, you've had a couple of kids. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your family. Well, we have two daughters. Mm -hmm. We have an eight year old named Elena and a five year old named Sophie. And, um, they are, um, quite little joys. They're (laughs) very fun, very different personalities. Um, but I'm really excited to see what God has for them as they get older. Mm -hmm. Excellent. That's wonderful.
1: Well, and, and Elena's already made it clear that she plans on taking your job one day, Mike. Is that what it was?
0: Either taking my job or I'll leave my job to work for her, yeah. So we, yeah, a Christmas or two ago, she came to the office where we did a half day at work and, you know, did a daddy daughter date kind of thing. And afterwards, I was like, wasn't that fun? She's like, yeah, I'm like, don't you want to, wouldn't it be cool if one day when you're older you work for your dad? And she's like, no. I was like, well, well we had a great day. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, when you're older, you don't want to work for me? She's like, nope. She's like, we could work together. Like I can come to your office, we can do some things, but I'll have a different office and you'll actually work for me. And so well, she's going to skip <laughs> oh. straight to.
1: And so to, there's no
2: confidence issues there. That's, right. Yeah. That's a great thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's you know, wonderful. As you
1: raise kids and, and you know, our ultimate, I mean, it's our number one ministry mm-hmm. is our kids, mm-hmm. you know, having them meet the Lord and and walk with the learner, for, learning, for our kids to learn from us on how to walk with the Lord and sometimes to learn from because from our own mistakes on i walk with the Lord. What's been the biggest challenge together raising kids?
0: <laughs> Jackie?
3: <laughs> um, our biggest challenge um, in, in raising children has probably just been, um, there's been the occasional time where I, we have different opinions on how to approach um, parenting, It mostly in the subjects areas of um, like challenging them. Is that how you would word it?
0: Yeah, it's, yeah like, sure. Yeah, sure.
3: Like uh, providing them opportunities to to grow in their own ways and own ages, and we sometimes disagree on what that can what that can look like. I would
0: add color to that in that uh so one of the things about Jackie so I call her like an intentionality ninja, and the reason for that is that she's just a learner, <laughs> she's always reading and studying, and she doesn't assume that her instincts are great, so she's always, I assume
3: that my instincts are incorrect actually, so she's so. a great.
0: <laughs> Aggregator of best practices and really thinking through where we're trying to go and begin at the end in mind. And she's a you've read like Andy Stanley's principle of the path, like that's very much mm-hmm. her kind of thinking. And so when she has ideas, there's always a reason behind them, and that can easily so mean like it then... is the right answer. So if I question, <laughs> hey, do we really want to do it that way? It's almost like this pasha. I mean, I've researched this. This is clearly the best way. Why would you question this being the way? <laughs> so that creates some f- interesting dynamics at times.
3: Yes, but I feel like we've navigated it a little bit better in recent years. We're getting, we more, we're getting more practice. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: And awesome. she's generally, she has a pretty high right quotient. So.
1: Thanks. Wow. Really <laughs> little, Did you all just hear I that? Pretty high <laughs> right <laughs> quotient. <laughs> <laughs> And the good news about the kids—you're never done learning how to raise them up, because so they change all the time. Their love languages even change as mm-hmm. they get older. Mm-hmm. And it, so yeah, it, it's good. So Jackie, what is Mike's number one love language?
3: His number lo- number one love language is well, it's kind of a top three tie. It's a quality. He's needy, apparently. You're very needy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quality time, physical touch, and words of affirmation.
1: Words of affirmation is one. Really? Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Mike, what, yeah. what's Jackie's?
0: Oh, quality time, and the words of affirmation. Mm-hmm.
1: Huh. Excellent. I just was
3: My, it's funny how like you said well, that they change <laughs> like with kids. yes Mine changed a lot when I had children because mm-hmm. I was big on physical touch prior to children. <laughs> you get plenty of that now with And the I feel like it's starting
0: to come service back. Actually, went up. Yeah. Service went
2: skyrocketed. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean that there's just
3: f- different seasons.
2: <laughs> so, I want to speak just for a minute <laughs> as far so as your, true. in your family life, I know you guys have some great intentionality with that and it's some of the things that kind of in from an outsider looking in parallel with the things you're teaching in C12 mm-hmm. freakishly
1: mm-hmm. scoping you out on Facebook is what she's saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they openly share this information. We're, ner- we're, we're
0: nerds and proud of it. Yes. yes.
2: So talk to that just briefly because I mean it's different for everybody, but mm-hmm. you guys have taken a very intentional approach with your goals for your family, mm-hmm. setting up a, a vision I think frame. Vision mm-hmm. frame. Um, talk about that. Just tell our encourage our listeners mm-hmm. with what that could do for them. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, and
0: I think if if you're a business person listening, a uh, convicting moment for me was actually. She's sitting in a boardroom uh, meeting with the CEO's spouse of a company and her saying, hey, I love all the C12 stuff, all the strategy and goal setting and vision and pieces. Um, I'm assuming you guys all do that for your families too. And there's just kind of easy to have a light bulb and be like, man, like every nonprofit I've been a part of, every business project you always set up, where we're going and how and why and what success looks like. And I'm a bit of a nut about that. And I can't really be in a team without asking like, where we're going. But oftentimes we've not done that personally. Mm -hmm. So like, why do I exist? And then going, man, the most significant enterprise I lead that will endure. The only thing I can tell you I'll be a part of 20 years from now is the Cheryl family. Right. And yet it's easy to let that just kind of go by default. So I I actually have funny stories when we were having, we were pregnant with our first kid and I took, we went on a little baby moon trip and I thought, hey, let's tonight, let's just do a date night. Let's just map out our family vision. (laughs) We're going to answer some questions here and I'm going to map this thing out. You know, It's ironic because you'd never do that in a business. It's a process. You bring in consultants. You go through a journey. And I thought we're going to do a date night. And,
3: do it over dinner.
2: <laughs>
0: and uh,
3: and this, and I should, No, I should say I was super supportive and super excited about it. She was.
0: It. Yeah, we're equally yeah. nerdy in this. Yes, so she was like, equally, let's do it.
3: We are equally nerdy, yes.
0: But we found out words matter. And if you're trying to get down to the same kind of precision and clarity that you'd want an organization to have right. for your family... And that actually took a long process. And mm-hmm. so yeah, Because words to men mean different things to, to women. They do. And it's not like we would want wildly different things. But if mm-hmm. we're going to say these are the few things we're going to state. Mm-hmm. So it became an iterative process. What and kind of process? An iterative. So mm-hmm. we've cycled through. Iterated. It. Yeah, you know, yeah, and so I, uh, it. I would say a win to me. And this is an example of Jackie's intentionality. So we've got it like on the fridge of our home. Um, a few months ago, I came downstairs Sunday morning to breakfast and my seven-year-old at the time was drilling our four-year-old at the time on our failing mission statement. <laughs> and it's like, now we're winning. when our, We've spawned <laughs> nerds of a highest order when your seven-year-old's drilling your four-year-old on, do you have the only mission statement down correctly?
3: Now, granted, we understand that they can only absorb so much at this age, but it's set, hopefully setting the foundation for some good conversations and... Well, for the future. It's
2: huge because I know you guys really, you love to feed into other marriages mm-hmm. you and that is a, a great thing, but we live in a society where just what you were saying, we think we're going to get married and it's just going to all work out. You mm-hmm. know, there, We don't have a whole lot of intentionality built in mm-hmm. and the same with our families. Mm-hmm. We look at our families and go, well, of course I want good things to be the outcome of having this family, but we're not mm-hmm. very strategic about it. Yeah. So If your kids can absorb that Mm -hmm. and be more intentional in the next generation, what if a whole generation of of little people become big people with that great intentionality? I'm
0: hoping my girls screen out 99% of men because I'm hoping within like the third date, my daughter will go, so what's your purpose and core values in life? And what are the measures of success for your life? And when they go, huh? Yeah, that they go. Oh, I guess you're not, not a guy for me. It's so like that'll eliminate 99.9 percent of men, and then
2: and more likely we, more can, than have, likely, we but, can have
3: hopes and dreams.
0: Yeah. That's right.
2: By the time they're dating, that will be something they can flesh out before they even ever meet. Yep. You know. Let's,
1: let me make one point clear. There's no man that'll ever be good enough for your daughter. So <laughs> Probably. Probably. But God has
2: other plans. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> that
1: is a really humbling process. Letting your daughter talk to men it's just one of those things (laughs) okay i i want to i want to jump into this this transition because you guys have you got you got i love the relationship i love the way you guys are playing it out i I love the way you're working through it and i I love the fact you're both nerdy about you know making sure it's good i love that it's perfect you took over as leader of the c12 is it two and a half years ago already Mm -hmm. two and Mm a half years Jackie, that was a big change in your life. You know, mm-hmm. Mike was a local chair here in San, San Antonio, having wild success, the most success of any chair in the country, mm-hmm. to go to be the leader, um, a, the young, a young leader of C12. How has that transition gone for you?
3: How's it gone for me? I feel like in the scheme of things, it's gone really well. It was a little, um, I wouldn't even use the word bumpy at first. It felt, um, it was just a little stressful because it was intense. That's a good word. Mm -hmm. It was intense at the beginning, particularly for probably that first six months, because we had, we're having so much change at home as well. It was a season where I, they were still, I mean, the kids were three and Five, and um, we wanted to move close to the headquarters. So not only was C twelve headquarters and a team moving across the country, and you know getting My that job changing and the job change and all that, but we were moving across town. My kids were starting school, starting the homeschool world. Um, so there were just multiple changes happening consecutively and so i think because of that it was felt um it felt fairly intense um for those first six months or so um but and then um the first year uh we figured out that we had needed to have a better strategy for staying connected uh, because of his travel mm-hmm. so we were not used to um the rhythm of that much frequency of travel. And I think it was probably a year in where like we had a conversation and I was like, you know what? We need to have a better strategy here. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, um, like we're doing okay, but I want to do better than okay. Especially if this is going to be a long term thing. And, um, with the way that he is connected across the country and now the world, um, Travel is just going to be our reality. So we need to have a strategy on how are we going to stay connected through this travel. And so I feel like since we had that conversation, it's been um, um, better uh, of how we stay connected when he's gone, our rhythms then when he's home. Um, So I think that conversation helped facilitate it. So it was intense, definitely at first. um, But again, let's get those Let's get those problems when they're small before they amount mm-hmm. to something
1: bigger. I love that. We got Mike Shero and his wife, Jackie, here. And we're really getting the real story behind C12 leadership. Because if you're going to invest your life in a ministry... You have to bring your whole family along with you. And if you're considering as a business owner or leader becoming a C12 member, you need to know who's leading this. And that's what this show is all about. I would highly recommend that you become a C12 member. If you're a Christ-following business owner or leader and you want to know what it means to be a kingdom leader, to develop a kingdom style, to develop a kingdom company, to advance the kingdom of God, you really need to check out C12. Check it out online, c12group.com.
2: So right before the break, Jackie, you were sharing just about this transition, you guys um, taking the job to lead C12, moving across town. The headquarters was moving here. Mike started traveling a whole lot more. You weren't used to that. Um, just for our listeners, before we hear about Mike and the transition um, from your perspective, tell our listeners just some of the things that you may be learned because a lot of people have traveling spouses. Mm-hmm. So, um, just I just want to drill in just a little bit to encourage them that you know what worked and didn't work and how you're finding ways to connect and and keep that intentionality
3: Mm -hmm. so um that first year when we when i was feeling i was just feeling a disconnect Mm -hmm. um i had little people and so a lot of times he'd be trying to reach out to me but i wasn't around i couldn't connect and so i mean we literally just physically had trouble connecting and talking right so getting uh, getting an actual strategy of of uh, let's actually set a time or let's, you know, be strategic in when we talk. So it's not just hit or miss. And then, um, the other change was being strategic on having, um, and connecting and having time together before he leaves. Cause I want to like set him off, like, um, as he goes on a trip, set him off for success. And then, and then having a, an intentional way of receiving him when he gets home, um, to know that, Hey, we are glad you are here. Um, I'm, One of my goals has always been is to have a home that is um, as stress-free as is under my control, that it's a sanctuary for him to come home to that. He never thinks, oh, I have to go home and face X, Y, Z, but that it is a place that he can be rejuvenated and that he wants to come home. Mm. And so to have a plan for me to be ready when he is when he is coming home to receive him well, um, I think both those being strategic in the send off and the receiving as well as when he is gone. Being intentional on on timing of connecting. That's-
0: she does a great job. Uh, we had a we had a little rub years ago I was in Chicago. I was in a job that was work demanding a lot of hours, and it was easy for me to read her like, "When are you coming home? When do we have time together?" As contempt against my work, and as you know, it's love and respect language for a guy that that's kind of hitting at an identity and a love language. Mm-hmm. And she one day helped really unlock. She's like, "Hey, you know." I respect, admire your work, I support you in your work, I, I want you. So it's it's me wanting you, not resenting what you do. Mm-hmm. And she's done a great job, since we had that kind of clarifying conversation, setting that anchor in, and us going, how do we make sure we preserve us? And it not it's not against anything else, but we need to put the big rocks in and mm-hmm. reinforce that. Excellent.
1: What do you guys do for fun? Because I mean, you guys are both, like as you said, nerdy, and you both obviously are... You're, you are very thoughtful, so how do you intentionally build in fun into your marriage? We well, it.
3: our definition of fun might be unique, so it's that things that are fun to us maybe aren't as fun to other people. <laughs> that's why God put you together. That's right, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's so, I mean, okay. so the things that we're probably going to say will sound um, unique. So go ahead.
0: Well, I mean, we do share some things, like we find a great, we try to do an, some sort of annual getaway as a couple where, and what's worked well for us is do some of hiking in nature. So we both love mountains. and yeah, we love and, to hike. I'm um, from Alaska, but we go to different parks. And so we'll hike in the day and then kind of debrief and talk about family planning stuff in the evenings. Um, so hiking is a, is a shared thing. Not a lot of that in Texas for six months of the year, but right. the rest of the part of the year, that's good. Um, but we both enjoy reading and going to, con- like last year for our anniversary, we went to the Global Leadership Summit in Chicago. Yeah, uh,
3: like that was our fun treat for each other. And so. it was
0: energizing. We went to a yep. conference together. Yep. Um, so. Reading something together, going to conferences together, learning together, um, spending planning, even like working through the family vision framing, which was intense and and was energizing for us because we're working. Anything that's kind of intentional and together, we get joy from.
3: Yeah. And and just at the end of the day, one of our themes in our marriage is um, uh, sharing God stories. Because there's always a God story mm-hmm. um, with the different things that we're involved in. And, um, but also, uh, he is the most hilarious person that I know. And so we take, time, we make sure we take time to laugh and we have a ton of inside jokes. And, um,
0: one of the things I found attractive about Jackie is unlike other people who just hear me say something and go, that's weird. She would laugh. I was like, she laughs at my jokes. That's really cool. <laughs> so that was a very attractive attribute to Jackie.
3: Yeah.
1: Have you found any of those uh, attractive attributes that, as you saw them attractive as you were dating now that you've been married sixteen years? do you find any of those same attractive attributes that cause conflict? The things you thought were the greatest about them do, do some of those things now drive you crazy or have you had to or, or what have you had to work through
0: I think we all yeah to some okay. degree those things every strength's got a backside of weakness to it, so our intentionality leads us both to be prone towards um overextension or workaholic tendencies mm-hmm. or needing to know how to have a stop and just have a break and it's okay to just be... Um, or his
3: drive for excellence. Like, at what, what point does it... When's what it point is the health the stopping point?
0: So sure. we mm-hmm. both have some similar tendencies in that way that at times we've had to course correct each other on. Um, but generally, I think that overarching the things that were endearing about Jackie or the things that are endearing about it now?
3: Yeah. I think that the things we joke about is we always connect it to, um, I'll be like, why do you have to have this so planned out? And he's like, well, remember that's one things you love me. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I'm like, it just <laughs> express itself in unique ways. But I always go back to like, no, I like that about him. I, I that's what I want him to be. This is a good thing.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. So as we've talked about this transition mm-hmm. and the things that what, again, I just want to give it a, that, platform back to our listeners what could you speak into them a lot of people go through big career changes mm-hmm. and um if there's any big takeaway that you could share and say here's something you can't take you know there's a lot of working through as part of the process mm-hmm. and learning how to do that but what would you share with our listeners and say here's here's something we learned along the way that might be helpful
0: mm. i think it's important to do good soul searching in the process so like for me um there's a lot of evaluating what are the, what are the things I'm actually called to do? What are the fears that are perhaps hijacking that and processing that together? What are the truths that we can know? And, and that was a, that was another iterative process of cycling through like man, in change. There's a lot of motivations or in or hindrances and you got to put those in daylight for Jesus and say, okay, are those godly fears or are those flesh fears? And is that godly yearnings or is that flesh yearnings and be able to help refine that together? Is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Being clear on the why, and and then having a chance, having regular let's assess. Because like in this transition, I underestimated, thus we underestimated um, how much change would happen. Mm. Like we knew the the travel piece, and we knew things. I wanted to launch. We didn't probably realize how much institutional and organizational change would have to happen, and the sparks of that, and the cost of that, and the the demands of that. And we probably under budgeted margin for then the unexpected in that. And so it's easy and <laughs> I it's an
3: understatement.
0: <laughs> so it's easy and idealistic as think it an often an is. An idealistic like we're gonna go here. You uh you magnify the positives and you, you sometimes don't allow yourself the margin for the negatives. And so that that was a a learning process for all this. So make sure we have a chance to sync up on that and go, Hey, I thought this was gonna be, now this looks how it's gonna be. How do we do that? What are your concerns? Mm-hmm. Anything you'd say beyond that?
3: Um, what uh, reiterating what you said about um, the why, knowing the why, mm-hmm. because there were definitely some hard moments, but at the same, but in those moments, like this is what we're supposed to be doing, <laughs> and it's going to be hard, and that's okay. And I think acknowledging that it's hard, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it's like. Um, we think that uh, following God's will or being obedient isn't going to be challenging or difficult or hard or that everyone's going to agree with you. And uh, so just saying, you know what, it, it is hard and that's okay. We're doing, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Absolutely. And I think the other thing that has been beneficial is um, growing in uh, not being grounded in people-pleasing. You, you can't go through something like this or be in the role that he's in and, and be wired as a people-pleaser. Or if you are, then you're going to have to grow a lot um, <laughs> because there's hard decisions to be made and hard things to do that not everyone is going to like. And so that's where we really have to go back to the why and to making sure we're being obedient in, in, the, in the immediate, in the now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember people would ask... Uh, Especially the first year, eighteen months. Or so, hey, Mike, lead C twelve, man, is everything going all all good, man? I'm like, all good. No, all like
2: all good. <laughs> no, I, I don't
0: know what that even means. I said, I feel like most of the time, I feel like it, uh, in a dinghy in a squall with a giant like tsunami wave cresting over me most of the time, and between external spiritual warfare and internal conflict and overwhelming circumstances, but in the middle of all that, there was peace because we check and go, yeah, God, this is where You called us to be. And we're doing, we're going the right direction. So apart from you, I can do nothing. And apart from you, this seems impossible, but in you, that's, there was peace. So there was peace, but it wasn't all good. Mm -hmm. It was worth it.
1: Mm. And that's what, when we look at, I look at it two and a half years later, I mean, you see, it's been worth it. There's been a tsunami of change, uh, but also a tsunami of impact. Mike and Jackie Shero, thanks for sharing your hearts today. Thanks for uh, being an I Work for him and, and thanks for having us here in San Antonio.
0: Oh, our pleasure to have you guys here. Thanks for you guys for your passion for the work of the gospel in the marketplace. I really appreciate you guys as championing that nationally across all lines and all places.
1: Next time the kids join us on the radio, absolutely, show. they'll
0: be ready. <laughs> You've
1: been listening to I Work for him with your hosts Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for Him. him.